Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I am here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot of the Internet's bullshit. And I'm Matt Saint Singh, and we're doing this a little earlier today than we usually do, and I'm waiting for the coffee to kick in. And once that coffee kicks in, Matt's going to hit you with his brand new catchphrase. Oh no! I won't. I'll, I'll, I will never have a catchphrase. Well, I mean, we could. No, we could workshop it again. Uh, what I'm saying is, uh, I would like to not relitigate past arguments on this podcast. <laughs> um, I would like to relitigate new arguments we're going to have. Maybe I'm not, that's I'm back not, to the Bill and Ted situation. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to litigate arguments of future past. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like what, what kind of Ebenezer Scrooge scenario did I just come up with? Or I have no idea. Oh man, I don't know if you've seen Tenant, but it's kind of like that. Dude, I have seen Tenant, and I think if I were to watch it again, it would be like watching it for the first time. I think I could watch <laughs> it 50 times, and I would not know what the hell is going on. It's visually stimulating, it's interesting, uh, and that's it. I think the movie makes just as much sense if you play it backwards. Uh, oh, well, that's a little, um, yeah, you're right. I think parts of it would make sense. Like the shooting of the guns would absolutely make sense. Because shooting shoot of, in reverse. Yeah, shooting of guns would make sense. And, and some of the speech, because I think they had some of the speech reversed also. That's like such an American thing for me to say. Oh, the shooting of the gun makes sense. <laughs> well, it's not Europe. You know, we can't just focus on the love scenes. Actually, I don't think there are any. I don't think there are any sex scenes in that movie. And I think it's a missed opportunity that we should capitalize on when we do the porno remake of Christopher Nolan's Tenant. It'd just be a bunch of guys walking around with penis vacuum cleaners. I, I usually like. Oh, God, Jesus. I really <laughs> talk about sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I like Christopher Nolan movies, most of them, but I feel like Tenet is just like the pinnacle of pretentiousness for him. And he's already a pretty pretentious director, I would say. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, we've, we've all seen and failed to understand to its fullest capacity the movie Inception. Uh, I've seen it a few times. I like it. Um, I think I get that one way more than I'll ever get Tenet, for sure. Tenet was tough. Tenet, Tenet, was, a, Tenet was a wrestling match with your mind. Absolutely. But I, I think I, I think I got it. And don't test me. I can't. I have I do not have that ability. So don't worry. So if there are any tenant experts out there, if, any Christopher, land, if there are any landlords out there, <laughs> if Christopher Nolan is listening to our podcast, please do not quiz me. I am not prepared, but I am a big fan of Christopher Nolan. So. Huge fan. His Batman yeah. movies are the best Batman movies. Um. Yeah, he did The Dark Knight. He sure did. But that's enough fan feedback from us. I think we had some fan feedback oh. from uh, some of our listeners. Yeah, we do. I, I At this point, I would say that we absolutely have a core loyal listeners who prove to us every week that they listen to our podcast. I really do appreciate it. And my friend, and dare I say friend of the show, Maurice, uh, reached out to me regarding our nuclear explosion discussion. Now, something you should know about Maurice is I'm, 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 I'm positive he has been... He's taking classes on, on nuclear security and like nuclear issues because he's got a degree from a good school in security studies. OK, but he wanted to reach out about the nuclear explosion discussion. And this is actually kind of interesting. So this you is know, what to, 
to, to clarify, this is the uh, nuclear explosion question that we explored on our Oops All Reddit episode 16. That is the idea that there is a radius around the center of a nuclear explosion at which all frozen pizzas at your local supermarket would be cooked perfectly. So what Maurice says is the key is that nuclear explosions develop over time. I think uh, a lot of us, me definitely thought of nuclear explosions as being like a giant flash in, a, in the pan. Right. Right. Um, but. So when you think of that, at the right range, you could probably cook a pizza with the radiative heat, like a microwave. But the post-blast firestorm is what Maurice is talking about. That would be a better option because it's more like a convection oven. And he gave us some academic reading. And so what happened in Hiroshima is uh, there was a, a, a big explosion. And then there was a massive circular mass fire that was roughly 4.4 square miles. And it burned for, more, yeah, burned for more than six hours. So I definitely think when we're talking about explosions, the lingering firewall of heat would, you know, just as Maurice says, it acts like a convection oven. And that's not something that I think I didn't, I didn't take that into account when I was thinking about the nuclear explosion. I was thinking that you'd have this massive explosion and there would be, you know, a distance at which all yeah. the pizzas would be cooked to perfection. But I think this uh, convection oven analogy is, is, is you have a better chance of getting a, a better baked pizza based on that. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think the question was premised on the initial nuclear blast, but firestorms yeah. are actually a, I don't want to say a common a common occurrence as a result of dropping a nuclear bomb on a city because it's only happened twice. And in both cases, only happened twice so far. Well, you know, <laughs> Trump 2024. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think the environment in which the bomb is being dropped also is important because in 1923, there was the Kanto earthquake in Japan which resulted in massive firestorm. God, they could not catch a break for like 20 or 30 years, Japan. I wouldn't say they were catching breaks so much as they were catching China and most of Asia. It's up, yeah, for sure. Part of the issue is the Kanto quake hit in the middle of the day, so there were lots of cooking fires going, and all the buildings were made of, like, wood. Oh, and God. that caused a massive uh, that caused a massive firestorm that resulted in the deaths of tens of thousands of people. And I'm not looking at a Wikipedia page or anything. I think the death count was like 23,000. Wow. As a result of this earthquake. Yeah, it was it was absolutely wild. People were cooking and that, that just got loose in this, these tinder, this tinder box. I can't imagine that architecture in 1923 Tokyo is that different than the architecture in Hiroshima or Nagasaki. So yeah. the environment in which you were dropping the bomb was also predisposed towards burning. It's like um, like California in the dry months, right? Yeah. Thank you, Maurice. I think you are spot on. However, I will point out that those pizzas are still wrapped in plastic. Yeah. <laughs> and if I and if I received a perfectly cooked pizza wrapped in plastic, I would send it back. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was perfectly cooked. <laughs> <laughs> There's a small flaw. But thanks, Maurice. Uh, keep yeah. listening. We really appreciate it. Um, and thank you again. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to jump into the Reddit question? I have a Reddit question from r slash no stupid questions, which we have already established is a place where you just don't find stupid questions that is one of my favorite places on the internet because sometimes like i'm walking around and i'll have a thought and that thought will end in a question mark and i'll think no it's too stupid but then i go on the internet i click over to the reddit website find the uh, no stupid questions subreddit and i post it there guess what stupid thought laundered it's clean <laughs> nice uh i like how you kind of you weaved i mean I, I feel like i feel like i was in a christopher nolan movie for a second there um <laughs> the, beauty, yeah, so the, the beautiful thing is if you tell my story backwards you just basically end up exactly where you were <laughs> yeah exactly right so this reddit user says 
What's the best response to have if someone films you without your consent in public? Now, first, we have covered previously on Don't Wreck Yourself that if you are in public, generally speaking, by and large, you do not have an expectation of privacy. Meaning, if you're walking down the street and someone wants to take your picture or just record some video, usually, generally speaking, they are free to do that, right? So the best response, I would say, is just to live with it. Yeah. What would you do if you were trying to get someone to stop filming you in public? I, I like, first of all, that we're not relitigating stuff that we've already settled, done and dusted. Reddit should catch up. But, <laughs> but if the question is how to get people to stop filming you, I mean, number one answer on the family feud board has got to be show them your genitals. I would say maybe you could just politely ask them if they wouldn't mind turning off the camera. Uh, you know, you just literally like, hey, man, could you mind not doing this right now? And if they refuse, then just walk out of public. Just go into a business. So step one, politely ask them. Step two, get naked. <laughs> Step two is get naked. Step three, profit. Yeah. <laughs> I also think just do something boring. I would assume because you're doing something interesting. If you want that to stop, then just stop doing what you're doing, right? So what's this Reddit user's name? Is it like off-duty cop 35? Okay, so I literally, I'm so glad you said that because my last uh, funny, what's the best response would be to become a police officer because they get away <laughs> with telling you to stop filming the police a whole hell of a lot. Join the police academy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I, I, I think a, a serious aside right now. Hey, police, they can film you. Yeah. As a police officer, you're an agent of the state. You do not have an expectation of privacy when you're on duty in public wearing a uniform, pulling someone over. And I d definitely know people who have gotten saved from jail time because they filmed the police at a traffic stop. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I actually came across a meme that I thought was pretty bold in, in terms of its assertions. It was pretty confident. It says, Facebook. And this is all this is one of those memes that people have like screenshotted like a Facebook post and shared yeah, it because images yeah. get shared faster by your drunk aunts and uncles. <laughs> Facebook is a perfect example of socialism. You get it for free. You have no say in how it works. The guy who runs it is rich. You have no privacy. And if you say one thing they don't like, they shut you up. I will give you one guess into what this person's preferred news outlet is. Um. Uh, it's done. <laughs> so this this goes into the whole uh, right wing fixation on cancel culture. Like it is the central platform on which they are basing their party at this point. Right up there with critical race theory. Facebook is not a perfect example of socialism. And let's get into why. Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting discussion. The first thing is Facebook users are not the customer. So the idea that yeah. you get it for free is absolutely meaningless. You're the product. As a Facebook user, you're the merchandise. Nobody asks Potato Chip how much they're going to pay to sit on the shelf. <laughs> no, it's a great question. It's a great point. I think Facebook, how they make money is not from people like you and me. It's from selling ads and targeting those ads based on information from users. So when you say, you know, if you're not, it's the old adage, if you're not paying, you're not the customer, you're the product, which I think really does ring true when you're talking about social media companies. For yeah, sure. tech companies and even, I mean, shit, even grocery stores, those little like swipey cars they give you discounts with, those oh, discount yeah. cards, all they're doing is tracking your shopping habits and that helps their internal metrics. Absolutely, yeah. Facebook is not free, so that part of the meme is already Kaput. Well, it's free, it's free to, to users. It's free to you and me. But Facebook isn't free as a business. Like no. this business doesn't right, exist right, absent right, money. Right, right. Yeah. You have no say in how it works. That's correct. It is a private company. I don't have any say in how Hertz rental cars works either. So the guy who runs it is rich. 
True. Yeah, I, I think that's fact check. Mark Zuckerberg is rich. He's a billionaire. Yeah, he's he's one of the rare billionaires who doesn't want to go to space recently. On the fourth of July, and I posted this on our Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg was doing some sort of like off the back of a motorboat surfing on, you know, the, oh, the, the yeah. ones with like the deep yeah. skis and holding an American flag. It's just like, what the fuck is this? I feel like he got like a right wing consultant to be like, hey, man, they're going to eat this shit up on Facebook. Just go ahead and do this. Right. Wear you know, American flag shorts <laughs> and go to town. And have you noticed that Mark Zuckerberg is posting more public stuff lately? I, think I have not because I don't follow Mark Zuckerberg. Well, you don't you don't have to follow him. I don't follow him either. His stuff just appears in my feed. It's mm. almost like funny the, how that works. <laughs> it's almost like the billionaire who runs Facebook can do whatever the fuck he wants. Absolutely. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He is trying to fight back against right wing conspiracy theories with over the top patriotism. Yeah, uh, what I call I call that plastic patriotism, but because it's it's made in China. That actually kind of disproves the second part of the proof that it's socialism. You have no say in how it works. I don't know. I think Mark Zuckerberg's reacting to right wing criticism uh, of Facebook. I think um, the idea that Facebook is socialist is obviously misguided. And I think a really good example of why is in January of 2021, they removed a bunch of far left political accounts and uh, (laughs) they said it as an automation error, which kind of does sound like something that would happen in a socialist paradise. I'm using air quotes on paradise here. But uh, one would think the world's finest socialist website uh, would not delete the very thing they purport to want to be. Right. So yeah, there's that. So I I think the other factor here is that the Facebook is optional. You're not born in the territorial expanse of Facebook. Facebook isn't a government. It is a private entity that you can, in theory, opt out of. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be regulated. It should absolutely be regulated. However, the same people that are criticizing Facebook for being socialist uh, wouldn't apply that same standard to, say, Walmart, Target or uh, I don't know, the Chick-fil-A, any other Chick-fil-A, the monster, the monster truck store, wherever they shop. The, the monster energy drink store. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Facebook's a private platform and they provide it with terms of, uh, with the uh, terms of service. And if you don't follow their terms of service by instigating an insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th, you're probably not going to get banned pretty well proven that Facebook is not a perfect example of socialism because if it was in fact a socialist organization or a socialist entity, the guy running it would not be a billionaire. Well, I mean, no, because this meme says that the person who runs it is rich. And I think what they're saying is in socialism, everyone else is poor, but you're, but the fat cats are rich in like the capital and stuff like that. So that's kind of what, that's how I interpret that. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. Okay. I will give them that interpretation that in practice, Communist dictatorships do, in fact, enrich like an oligarchy of people. Venezuela, Cuba. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that fact. In your mind, Matt. Yes. What is the most socialist website on the Internet? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What which one is a perfect example of socialism? Because I have one in mind and I have a feeling you're going to arrive there pretty quickly. All right. Give me a second here. Give me a second here. Most socialist website. Um, There's not a whole lot of money being exchanged. Anybody can cut. I think Wikipedia. I think Wikipedia is pretty much the perfect socialist website. That's exactly the website that I would have chosen. I think Reddit is a close second. I was thinking of Reddit, too. But the reason I I, uh, the reason why I I don't think is because I think Wikipedia, they secure funding from viewers like you. They have the PBS model Mm -hmm. and Reddit doesn't really do that. So I think that is definitely a socialist. That's a tick in the socialist camp for sure. Yeah, I think Wikipedia is a perfect example. It is publicly funded. And while it is egalitarian, while it's egalitarian in the sense that anybody can make an edit, it does allow experts to rise up through the ranks and actually have their voice heard. 
the community itself actually polices stuff. I think Wikipedia is probably the most perfect example of a socialist website on the Internet that everyone uses, by the way. Everyone uses that. So. We use it for every episode. So, yeah, I'm using it right now. <laughs> I'm on the Wikipedia uh, page of Wikipedia. Question, Matt. OK, is heaping praise upon Wikipedia a tax deductible contribution? What is the monetary value of our praise? Uh, I'm not sh- I don't think that would be tax deductible at all. I don't it, understand why it would. Well, because we're doing an advertisement for them for free. It has to have monetary value, right? I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Well, I would say that I did work in media for a little while and I worked in radio and we had something called unsold inventory where you have certain ad space you have to sell. And if you do not meet all of that, you have unsold inventory. You plug in a sister station or something like that. So I think what we're doing is we have a lot of unsold inventory. What we're doing is we're plugging that in for Wikipedia for free. Well, let's use some of our unsold inventory right now to advertise a podcast that we've both been enjoying lately. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Matt and I recently uh, began to listen to a podcast called The Whores in Room 6. The Whores in Room 6 is a podcast with two single and childless women where they rehash crazy travel adventures, life's whoopsie moments, and hear stories from fascinating characters. Listen in every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts for hilarious interviews, travel tips, and stories of the weird shit that happens when you take on the world with a say-yes-to-anything-but-heroin attitude. They may be a little behind in societal expectations, but they're killing it elsewhere. I listened to an episode yesterday. It was really funny, and I just say, I'm not sure who the person is, but the person who says they have horrible smelling feet on the podcast, I connect with that person. (laughs) So, the Whores in Room 6, give it a try. Kalia and Lauren are putting on a fantastic show. They are, at the time of this recording, two episodes in. They will be probably releasing episode four by the time this episode comes out. Don't forget to check them out. They they release their episodes the same day we do, so you can just go boom, boom, back to back. You get a little bit of Don't Wreck Yourself, get a little bit of the Whores of Room 6, and you're good to go. So here's something that's been wrecking the internet lately a little bit. Uh, a video showing fish falling from a plane into a Utah lake has definitely sparked interest. Uh, some outrage and a lot of confusion. And so the video that I saw on Facebook that I also shared was from NPR. And in that video, you have a quote from a Utah State Wildlife official. Because the fish are between one to three inches long, they flutter down slowly to the water. And I should describe this. When you see this video, you have like this camera on the belly of an aircraft. This aircraft is flying only 100 feet above the water, by the way. And then it opened up its pod bay doors and you just see water and fish just being dumped into this gorgeous Utah lake. Um, okay. And so you remember that? You, you see that video? Right? I actually I only saw a I only saw a still shot from the video because I wanted to come into this with a fresh perspective, which gotcha. is to say I didn't I didn't I didn't feel like doing the homework for the episode. I'm That's so okay. sorry. No, yeah. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I feel like um, I'm used to it by now. <laughs> So the claim that, that I'm really interested in is officials in Utah say because the fish are between one to three inches long, they flutter down slowly to the water. Is this true? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not an expert in either hydro. Anything in anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. OK. <laughs> I'm, I'm not either. I'm not either, man. I'm not either. I always you know what? I always feel underqualified no matter what room I'm in. What about the room six? Room six. <laughs> 
Uh, I guarantee you they know more about what's going on there than I do because they haven't actually explained why they're the whores in room six yet, but they have teased that they are going to explain it in a future episode. And I'm very excited to find out who called them the whores in room six. Yeah. Whoever that person is can go fuck themselves because. Well, not really. Now they have a super, they're going to have a podcast and they're going to blow up based on this. Yeah. That's just it. I think the podcast is named as a big fuck you to whoever said that. And that's awesome. Unless it was like them saying anyway. Yeah, let's move. Unless it's them saying it, in which case, you know, unfuck them, I guess. I am not an expert in fluid dynamics, nor am I an expert in fish dynamics. However, (laughs) the claim that because they are one to three inches long, I'm I'm guessing that the uh, they don't achieve a a terminal velocity. It's exactly. And they are so light that. Well, no, they there is a terminal velocity at which the fish can. flutter down slowly like so you know an ants or bugs they can fall like hundreds of feet and they'll be fine because they're kind of just like fluttering down yeah doing like a hand motion thing the, the same the same logic applies to to the fish yeah the, the uh, air the air resistance helps to reduce the effects of gravity and then you know and it's in water too that there's it's it's, it's in water as, as it falls as well yeah so there, there there's a lot of there's a lot of factors there and i mean Half of our half of our podcast content at this point is literally just weird shit falling out of the sky. I love it. I love it. Yeah, there there have certainly been natural phenomena that have resulted in frogs, fish and other aquatic animals raining down from the sky onto the land. So the fact this is a man made. Yeah. So, yeah, this is our first example. Well, no, this isn't our first example because cocaine bear was definitely cocaine doesn't just fall out of the sky. It, it, it does. It does. If you're a bear, apparently, right? <laughs> it literally did for him. I'm asking a question that I already know the answer to, but I'm for the for the benefit of our listeners. Why are they dropping fish out of an airplane? Well, so first of all, we should say aerial fish restocking uh, has been going on in Utah since 1950. Uh, there's over 200 super remote lakes across the state. Uh, today, more than 35,000 small fish known as fingerlings uh, can be released in a single drop, uh, repopulating marine life in the hard to reach bodies of water that are overfished a lot, essentially. Right. So there's a lot of outdoor uh, outdoorsy style tourism that goes on in Utah. It's a it's a it's a beautiful, rugged state full of polygamous so- teetotalers. <laughs> 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 the reason they do this is because these lakes are not accessible by cars. The, the fish would have to be in the cars for so long, so it's hard to regulate oxygen. Uh-huh. And it traumatizes the fish for way longer if you load them up in a plane and just dump them out, right? Yeah. So it it, 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 it is better for the fish. And the Utah officials say about 95% of the fish survive the fall. So this kind of gets into an area where... If 95% of anything survive, we have to, there's got to be a way we could make that. Uh, I, I feel like you have more, to get more successful. I, I think this speaks to where we place animals on the hierarchy of importance. If we were, if we were restocking a game reserve in, in Africa with elephants and dropping them out of an airplane and we had a 5% fatality rate, I think people would say, Hey, maybe slow down on the fucking elephant drops. I feel like uh, operation Dumbo. Out there. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a great point. I think you're absolutely right. This kind of gets into my philosophy of vegetarianism. So the reason why I choose not to, to eat animals is because they are conscious creatures, right? They are going through an experience. There is something it is like to be that thing. There is something it is like to be a fish, right? Mm-hmm. It is something that it's like to be 
an elephant. You can't say the same thing about a mirror or a bed or anything else in my one-bedroom sad apartment that I'm pointing <laughs> out right now. But the idea that, oh, it's 95% of this animal survive it doesn't really mean shit because what if you're part of the 5%? You're just shit out of luck. I, and we accept that. And I think that's kind of shitty. I think okay. That's kind of shitty. So, and this isn't really a good counterpoint to that. I would like to point out that the purpose for restocking these lakes is so that people can put hooks in their mouths, pull them up, Absolutely, pull them up yeah. out of their out of their environment and then rip their skin off and eat them. There is also an ecological argument, too, because if these species aren't in these lakes, you're kind of fucking with the natural right. e- equilibrium. However, these are definitely overfished ponds. Yeah. And I think that even the five percent fatality rate, you're you're actually introducing biological matter into that ecosystem, which would normally be there. So even those 5% of fish that died are going to be eaten by, you know, other fish, algae, insects. Or they're eating something in the chain, too. Right, but. right, right. So I I mean, in terms of the in terms of the grand scheme of thing, I, I actually would I, I would actually say that this is a responsible ecological policy in response to fishing. I, absolutely. Water. I think if you were driving them in vehicles, that's a problem. But the other alternative way that they restock fish in Utah and in other states around the country is they have a tube that goes from point A to point B. And it, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that's called, but uh, it's actually this fish conveyor belt. That is way more traumatic for the fish, I would say, than dumping it out of an airplane. I think it's probably a higher mortality is, rate. Too. In those systems, is the water forced or is it just present and then the fish are able to swim through it? I think it's forced. I believe it's forced. Okay. Yeah. It, it looks like it looks like there's like a jet stream pumping through there. Yeah. I mean, even then, I mean, fish in their natural environments will encounter currents and waves and stuff. Maybe not as much in like freshwater. Depending on the fish. Yeah. yeah depending on yeah, the fish and the species yeah. and what their natural habitat is. Obviously, lake fish aren't dealing with tons of waves and currents, but. Absolutely. No. Um, the alternative here is having lakes without fish and a dying tourism industry. So I'm I'm for it. But. And I I use the word speaking of but <laughs> but our next topic is literally butts. Oh man, um, I've been I've been shall I say dreading this topic, but it's kind of funny. So let's get into it. Yeah. I stumbled across this link on a Facebook group to a website which purports to offer uh, rumpological readings. Talk about astrology. Now, Ryan, <laughs> what is the well-defined practice of rumpology? <laughs> well, I'm actually going to the uh, the chief proponent of this is a woman named Jacqueline Stallone. She says rumpology is sometimes called butt reading in modern <laughs> sometimes called butt reading in modern parlance. It is the art of reading the lines, crevices, dimples, and folds of the buttocks to divine the individual's character and gain an understanding of what has occurred in the past and get a prediction of the future. Okay, so it sounds exactly like a palm reading if your palm was on your butt. It's Yeah, it's the same idea. She looks at the morphology of your butt, and then she determines what is behind you, and also what's to come. What's in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, okay, so a couple <laughs> things here. Uh, Jacqueline Stallone, is she one of those Stallones? She is one of those Stallones. And at first I thought it was like a stage name, you know, like sometimes drag queens will oh, incorporate yeah. somebody uh, like a famous person's name in or even like Marilyn Manson. You know, that's a yeah. hybrid of Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson. But in this case, Jacqueline Stallone is a real person. She came to prominence in the 80s and 90s. Uh, making appearances on like, I don't know, like Phil Donahue and shit. <laughs> but she is, in fact, Sylvester Stallone's mom. OK, so this is Sylvester Stallone's mom. Correct. 
Okay, so there is a long and proud history of parents embarrassing their children, but this just takes it to another level. Was she doing this when she, when she was like dropping him off at school? I don't think so. So she okay. she has she got into it later in life, right? So she has kind of a story. She has kind of a storied career. Her prof her professional work goes all the way back to when she was like 15 years old in the 1930s when she ran away to uh, ran, literally ran away to join the circus. She ends up like training with Charles Atlas, the like the famous prototype for like bodybuilders and stuff. The strong, the strong. Man. Right. And yeah, she yeah. goes on. She has like a fitness career. She opened a uh, she opened a gym in Washington, D.C. It was a women's only gym, sort of a precursor to curves uh, called oh. called Barbellas. Oh, okay. so. um She's actually involved in the creation of Glow, if you've seen the Netflix show. I have not heard of it, though. I have heard of it. Wow. Kind of crazy. So Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Uh, so it's a syndicated TV show. It ran for a while. There is the Netflix series about it now, which is very entertaining. It's starring uh, podcast hero Mark Marin. Oh, and he, inter he interviewed Obama on his podcast. And, and Allison, Allison Brie. Actually, it's probably... Hold on, let me let me let me let me turn back the patriarchy there. It is a show starring Allison Brie and also uh. <laughs> features podcast hero Mark Marin. They are yeah. they are two of the three primary characters, and I don't know the name of the other lady, but she is very talented. How much does it cost to get a butt reading? So a butt reading cost, and <laughs> this is it costs your dignity and how much money? <laughs> it costs you it costs you a lot. It it's six hundred dollars for the full reading. What the fuck? But is that that's for, that's for both cheeks. That's for both cheeks and the cleft and the gluteal cleft. Uh, okay, because I slept through my proctology class in college. What is the gluteal cleft? Is that the crack? That's that's the crack of your ass. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> way, way to crack jokes here. No. Um. Absolutely crazy. Okay. So first of all, if this podcast thing doesn't work out, we should definitely do butt readings at five hundred. I mean, I'm basically so a pro at this point. Uh, so. <laughs> You can either get the full report for $600 or you can get a left cheek rumpology report and a right cheek rumpology report individually for $300. And then the gluteal cleft, which gets thrown in for free when you do the full report. If yeah. individually, uh, it's $250. Okay, so you it is in your interest to get the full moon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you're saving $250 and you're essentially getting the crack for free. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one's free. The second one's going to have to cost. You. So what's interesting here is she's uh, she actually assigns different values for each part of your butt. So the left cheek tells you about your past. So that's sort oh. of that's sort of the cold reading part. You know, if okay. it, it, when when you're doing these readings in person, I'm sure, you know, she's got her hands on your butt and she's like, oh, you had a troubled childhood. Oh, God. Um, and then the right cheek is describes your future and helps you understand if your plans will take you and I quote ass backwards <laughs> is the is the ready is it like bent over on a massage table with your pants around your ankles like how, what does this look like so Jackie Sloan's too famous to do this stuff in person for the most part I'm guessing oh shit so you just sent in a butt pic you literally send her a picture or you could sit on the copier at work I don't know how they did it back in the 90s <laughs> Yeah, back in the 80s. Yeah, right? her, her, website, her website looks like it was made on GeoCities. It's amazing. You'll be pleased to know, though, she does accept Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express, which is everywhere Where you want to be. Slide the card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just slide that right down the crack of your ass, and she'll tell you. And by looking at the crack of your ass, she will know your personality and tendencies. So that tells you the personality of the person. So you see the past, who they are now, 
and their future as you read left to right across their rear end? Well, it's interesting because um, uh, in the Middle East, they read butts from right to left. So (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of curious about that. And it's funny that you should that you should bring it up. But her left to right claim is kind of interesting because she actually claims that rump reading is an art that was practiced in ancient Babylon, India, Greece and Rome. Yeah, I feel like uh, humans have been staring at asses for millennia. This is not a this is not profound at all. So <laughs> ancient ancient Greek, uh, Greek and Latin would have been left to right. Babylon, uh, Babylonian script. And this is this is where I, I turn out to be a terrible Near Eastern archaeologist because I have no idea. I, I, I think that. Well, don't, don't admit that because I don't want this is bad branding for a <laughs> fact checking podcast. <laughs> so I found absolutely no reference to fortune telling through but the butt arts yeah through, the anal arts through the, <laughs> through the dark arts <laughs> oh god yeah i was gonna say the anal arts because i like the alliteration well, of the dark arts i like i like fun. the dark arts because she's checking your past and future based on information she's gleaning from where the sun don't shine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i didn't find anything but she does have a picture on her website which it says an example of an ancient rump print and it's clearly just a computer graphic, possibly a possibly a GIF. <laughs> it's like a papyrus scroll unfurled. And then there is the impression of a butt on it. And there's Greek lettering under it. And underneath the, the caption, it says an example of an ancient rump print. Interesting. OK, I've taken the liberty of translating the Greek here. And I would like to clarify, although I did take one semester of ancient Greek at university, I am not to, to say that. To say that my Greek is rusty would be a gross overstatement of my Greek. I recognize the letters. I can sound words out. I know a few words. But what this says is an example of an ancient printed language. So literally her example in ancient Greek that is supposedly like the butt print is a gif of a butt superimposed on a a scroll under which it says an example of an ancient printed language. Jacqueline Stallone, she passed away in uh, September of 2020 of undisclosed causes she was 98 years old so i mean her parachute didn't open is how she (laughs) (laughs) she crashed her heart well that's just it like she was really she was really active and sharp all the way like when her son frank stallone the lesser known famous stallone uh he's famous for his uh music in the 90s uh, I wouldn't say that he's he's not. Famous that, that he was his his career was <laughs> up until thirty seconds ago. I had no idea Frank Stallone existed. Uh, so Frank Stallone existed. He was the butt of jokes in the nineties because he was Sylvester Stallone's little brother, and he had a music career. He announced her death. They didn't disclose any cause of death, but I mean, it happened in the middle of a pandemic, and she was ninety eight years old. You could really take your yeah. pick. But apparently, she was yeah. really sharp, involved, and and physically active all the way to the end. So she had a good life, and she had an entertaining okay. life. So, yeah, for, and she's entertaining us in the afterlife. So, thank you, Jacqueline. Her legacy is being carried on. Uh, there isn't. Oh, there are there are other rump readers in the world. Nick Tattersall in two thousand three wrote an article about a gentleman named Ulf Buck. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like butt, but. It's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it's a I don't even there's no point in even saying what the website was, but credit to Nick Tattersall 2003. Uh, the website's defunct, so there's really no point in linking it or telling you where to go because you're not going to find it. You're just going to find a dead link. All I have is a pull quote that I was able to pull off of the skeptics dictionary. Ulf Buck is a rump reader from Meldorf, Germany. He's blind and claims that Meldorf was his from middle. Is he a hobby? Meldorf. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like something from Middle Earth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's blind, but he claims he can read people's futures by feeling their naked butts. 
Oh, yeah, that's what I would do, too, if I was a creep. Well, I, actually, there is a picture of this guy, and he doesn't look not creepy. <laughs> yeah, does he have a mustache and nothing else? Uh, he's a middle-aged he's a middle-aged German man touching people's butts, so... It's probably professional, yeah. When I think of a creepy person touching my butt, it's usually a middle-aged German man. <laughs> so, this is a direct quote from Buck. He says... Butts have lines like those on the palm of the hand, which can be read to reveal much about character and destiny. An apple-shaped, muscular bottom indicates someone who's charismatic, dynamic, very confident, and often creative. A person who enjoys life. A pear-shaped bottom suggests someone very steadfast, patient, and down-to-earth. Well, are there any other fruits? What what, what does a banana ass tell you? I don't don't know what a banana ass is. Is that just like a really long butt? Uh, I would say it's a butt you have to peel. It's an appealing butt. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't find any. Uh, the problem is a lot of these links to this are are a little bit old because. Oh yeah, that's a problem with rumpology is we can't we can't click the links. <laughs> Actually, yeah, researching this was difficult because in her in her lifetime it was kind of a popular topic because she was uh, famous as independently famous after her glow years she was a like a public astrologer. So she'd make the daytime talk show circuits talking about astrology and providing bullshit advice to people because astrology is fake. So this yeah. this does have. Sorry. Everyone. <laughs> if, if you believe that the relative position of stars and other heavenly bodies in an ever expanding and changing universe have any impact on your personality traits or fortunes, you I have a bridge that I would like to sell you. <laughs> I feel like um you know, I wish I loved anything half as much as Ryan hates astrology. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's just that, like, literally, the, the universe is expanding. The positions of the position of stars relative to Earth are changing. In ancient times, Polaris, not the North Star. They literally had a different North Star in Babylonian times when astrology was supposedly created. Yeah, well, I, I think if uh, you can definitely persuade proponents of astrology with logic and reason. So, yeah, this checks out. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, no, um, is there anyone that's doing butt readings now? And can we crowdsource money to get one of our butts read is the, is the million dollar question. I don't know if Ulf Buck is still active. He was middle aged when they did the uh, did the article in 2003. There is another person who's referenced named uh, John McLaughlin, who is an assistant dean of medicine at the University of Central Lancashire. I hope this is the same. Ge- that sounds fake as shit. <laughs> What I what I glean from the skeptics dictionary is that he has essentially defended rumpology as a as as an anatomical science. Wow. Okay. It's like the it's I'm trying to connect it to phrenology, but like, it's like horrible. Phrenology is a is a good parallel to this. Although yeah, you can yeah. you can through hard work and dedication change your past and future by working out. You cannot change the shape of your head when the racists come to measure it. So, yeah, that, that's another thing is um, if you had children, oftentimes your butt's going to change. Right. If you like if you lose a bunch of weight, if you gain a bunch of weight. And so that's going to change your past. It's going to change your future. I, I, all I'm saying is I'm not sure rumpology is the science, the button of science it purports. To if, if if Ulf Buck finds stretch marks on your butt, he can tell you a little bit about your past. He's like, oh, you used to be much heavier than you were now uh, than you are now. <laughs> But you've lost weight. You're clearly a hardworking, dedicated person. And, you know, as he swipes his hand down the crack of your ass, he'd be like, this checks out. As he swipes the credit card <laughs> in your ass to charge you, talk about Discover. So, um, so, no, I seriously want to know, 
how much it would cost for one of us to get our butts read. And I want to start a GoFundMe where people would donate money to this and we should talk about it on air because uh, this is because because we're in the seventh grade and this is fucking hilarious, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Well, Ulfbuck is... What a legacy. What I guess not a legacy. I feel like it would be more of a uh, uh, upper thigh a scene <laughs> of, of, of Jacqueline Stallone. <laughs> like, there's lots of references to Ulfbuck, mostly on websites talking about rumpology and the absurdity of it. Uh, we'll, we'll look at... Well, you know what, you listeners, we'll, we'll get back to you on that. If we find an opportunity to have our butts read, or if you yourself are a rumpologist capable of telling us our past, present, and future simply by looking at a picture of our butt or preferably touching our butts, then... Oh, no, go ahead. not for me. You can, look at a, you can look at a Polaroid of mine, a grainy Polaroid. Like, I, I think a lot of people would joke right now that, you know, if you're good-looking, you can touch my butt. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that guy. But I will ask that you send us a confirmed picture of your hand so I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> I don't care about the face yeah. and the rest of the body, but those better be baby soft. Wear some gloves. Wear some gloves. I... Ooh, like like kid gloves made of Spanish leather. But that would probably affect their ability to like really get the texture of your butt because I'm sure there's something they could tell by the texture of your butt. Yeah, I don't want to dampen the psychic forces of the person touching my butt to tell my future. (laughs) (laughs) It's gross, man. I feel like um, speaking of, you know, uh, I think that we can use this as a springboard to talk about um, some anal photography. But I just bought a uh, oh God, I just bought a a ring light and that brings a whole (laughs) new meaning to the term, man. So if I do get my butt red, I will absolutely use my ring light because I want good lighting. I want I want an accurate reading. <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good point for us to transition to humanity's right butt cheek, which is to say our future as a people. Okay. As a species. As a species. As you well know, uh, and we have discussed it on the program before, automated cars are coming. Oh, yeah. They are on the, they are on the way. They are being tested on the roads and in... It killed someone not that long ago in like a Southern California. Yeah, the robot, the robots would prefer we don't talk about that. Yeah. Our, well, I, I for one welcome our automatic robot overlords. <laughs> so in case they're listening, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, as I sometimes do. Because you're a socialist. You're a huge socialist. I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge, a, I'm yeah. a huge socialist. Fly that red flag, hammer and sickle, all that stuff. Not really. I'm not really. Uh, yeah, I was like, Jesus, I was kind of kidding me. Democratic socialism. Uh, I'll fuck with that. Oh, how is that Democratic Socialists of America the most socialist website online? We should have said that. The one that has socialists in their fucking name. Well, they're on they're <laughs> on Facebook, so what can you do? Ah, uh, that's why. Okay, they're yeah. Do, they probably accept money. Does too, Wikipedia so. have a Facebook page? Ooh, does Wiki, does Facebook have a Facebook definitely Facebook, has a Facebook definitely has a Wikipedia page. What if you Wikipedia Wikipedia? It's like the world explodes. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't ever do it. I was it. I it's, almost did it and you you pulled me back from the brink of destruction. I feel like it's like the Large Hadron Collider is going to open up a black hole. <laughs> it's like dividing by zero. You just don't do it. Exactly. Well, you can't do it. All right. Yeah. So automated cars. Okay. I came across this meme and it shows a woman standing in a simulated crosswalk. And there is a vehicle that looks like it's out of Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, it does. Above its headlights, 
are two circular cartoon eyes, like Google, almost like googly eyes, but with yeah, eyelids. They're better. They're better quality than googly eyes. I would definitely. It's, they're right up there with Pixar, or like you've seen the movie Cars. Yeah. Uh, it almost. It, it doesn't have eyelashes, but it definitely has an eyelid. So it looks like this car has been um, smoking <laughs> recently, I guess. But he's kind of staring down this uh, person who's about to walk. This young woman who's about to walk. He looks kind of annoyed. So I feel like this definitely checks out for actual drivers. <laughs> <laughs> so the the text on it says people don't trust autonomous vehicles so jaguar is testing having them make eye contact with you and then it credits jaguar land rover wow i feel so much better thanks because it is kind of it's a little bit creepy this falls into uh the uncanny valley are you familiar with the concept of uncanny valley i've never heard of it oh okay so uh, a japanese technologist or philosopher actually came up with this notion of the uncanny valley which states that as objects become more human-like there is increased empathy or positive reaction from human beings until it gets to a okay. point where it's where, where it becomes creepy. And then after which, after it gets past that dip of creepiness and it becomes indistinguishable from human life, positive feelings go back up. OK, well, uh, this right here is definitely distinguishable from human life. Right. Um, so this this is um, by anthropomorphizing this car. They are taking advantage of that upward swing of the uncanny valley, and it hasn't dipped down into like zombie territory where it's where it's creepy human. I would say if, if I was walking around the city and a, an automated car came up and I was about to cross the street and if I saw it making eye contact with me, I would have the reaction of, oh, it sees me. It is totally taking me into account right now. So I believe it would not kill me unless it's a murderous. Uh, <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's What's that one Stephen King car? Christine. Uh, Christine. Unless it's Christine. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the that's actually the idea. The idea is that the eyes are actually form a kind of communication to the to the pedestrian that this vehicle recognizes your presence and it is accounting for you in its action. And first of all, it says it's a Jaguar Land Rover. It looks like a smart car. It just looks like a looks like a like a golf it looks like a souped up golf cart in on yeah, ecstasy. I, it's got neon. I don't lights. think that this unit is is intended for production. I think they're using it for test. It looks like they technoed out a forklift or something. They're using it for memes. Is what, <laughs> is, is what we know about. Yeah. It. So I, I thought this is interesting. It's more than just a weird cosmetic choice. It actually has a functionality to it that I think is pretty important. I because a self driving vehicle it, it doesn't give it personality, but it does let you, but it does communicate a a sort of consideration in humanity unless it looks at you and its eyes turn completely red. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that car's got, got back from Colorado. Oh, Christine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was go- the car was like I was going for a walk. <laughs> okay, you find a dead woman in a crosswalk and then the car's like, owl did it. You didn't see shit. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, when we're talking about technology and making it look like nature. If I saw this on the street, I think I would be like, oh, what the hell is that? Um, but if I was worried about it hurting me, maybe I would, maybe I would feel comforted if it was like staring me down or, or get, what if it winked at me? It was like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> wink. It's like, wow, that car is really cool. So final <laughs> assessment of this meme, 100% true. Wow. Okay. 100% true. Whether you're creeped out by it or not, is important to their research, you know, go ahead and write them. Let them know whether you find googly eyes on your car to be creepy or reassuring because that that's that's their that's their goal. I like that it has a functionality that communicates intent. Yeah, exactly. It helps to take some of the mystery away. I don't know that it takes the mystery out of the arcane algorithms that guide self-driving vehicles, but it 
does diffuse the tension of not understanding it. I would say it, it, yeah, just like you said, it has the ability to get across what their intent is, which is something you do, which is something we do not have with machines, right? right. Hardly ever. Hardly Self-driving ever. cars are a scary concept. You know, I've, this has been a source of much argumentation in my house. Aaron is very against self-driving cars. I'm actually wildly in favor of them. I if they can get, if they can make one safe, I totally trust a computer more than I trust the average human driver. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, I think the most dangerous thing about self-driving cars is other humans sharing the road with them. Or the most dangerous thing is the humans that are programming the code. Right? What if they screw up? Well, I think there's an entire Amazon Prime series about just that thing. A guy who gets murdered by his self-driving car. What's that? It's the one where the guy is like in the virtual afterlife. The series starts with his self-driving car having an accident. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there is a Black Mirror episode about this, or there will be someday. They're not making any more ones. The guy said that the world's too crazy, so he's not going to make any more. kind of sucks. He's like, uh, if you need a new Black Mirror episode, just open your window. <laughs> go outside. Yeah, exactly. Go outside right. or yeah, don't. Yeah. You're in the episode either way. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't go outside because it's a pandemic, right? Yeah, I think that's what he was talking uh, speaking, about. Speaking sure. speaking of being horrifically stuck inside of an episode that you cannot escape, like this our one. apologies to Rick Reynolds, <laughs> who has made the strategic career error of allowing us the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress. I look forward to the day where Rick Reynolds blows up and we don't. And then he's like, you guys can't use my fucking song. <laughs> he's like, that Facebook message that I sent you is not going to hold up in a court of law. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. At which point we will probably contact Tom Carty for the use of uh, his song. Have you checked your butthole? You can also check us out on social media. We are Wreck Your Pod on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And we also have a Facebook group and Twitter. Yeah, I was about to say, you almost forgot Twitter. Just like Twitter. Yeah, I almost forgot our least successful one. So it's totally fine. Yeah, I think Twitter forgot about us. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Please reach out to us by email and social media. And in the next week, if you find yourself hovering over that share button and you're staring at something that looks too right, too wrong, too good to be true, or just too weird, like, I don't know, Sylvester Stallone's mom reading people's butts. We encourage you to do your homework, click on that socialist Wikipedia page, maybe even donate to them, but not a, not until after you've donated to us. And be sure to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. Have you checked your bottles? Get up, get up, get up. I have not seen your keys, but since you're asking me, you better check up that bottle.